This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you on a Friday. We hope to have some news on the Big Ten football schedule sooner rather than later, but as this week nears its conclusion, still no word on what that Penn State schedule of games will look like here in 2020. For now, we do know out of conference, out of the mix, those first three games, San Jose State, Kent State, Virginia Tech, off the board. We've seen some movement out of the ACC. The SEC has made a decision on how it will approach the season with a non-conference schedule off the board for them as well. We hope to get into that more in the next episode, but we're going to go heavy in recruiting once again here because, Sean, all of a sudden, Penn State is on a roll with the 2022 recruiting class. Just last Friday when we sat down to record, we had mentioned maybe the first commitment was on its way. A week later, Penn State has two four-star pass targets in their class to start things out, and we may just be three days away from them getting a quarterback. Things have changed in a hurry for Penn State in 2022. You got to capitalize on that momentum when you've got it, and right now they've uh, started to move in that direction, and it's been all on the offensive side of the ball so far, and that's uh, that's a good thing. I mean, you look at uh, what Penn State's trying to do, uh, trying to bring in that new offense, you know, show what Kirk Shirak has done in the past while at the same time, you know, trying to appeal to really their base of what's out there in terms of prospects. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. You started with a guy from Ohio. Uh, you started or you followed that with a guy from Wisconsin. You moved to Bo Probula, the quarterback from, from York that's going to York, Pennsylvania, that's going to announce on Monday. So you're kind of all over the board. We, we, we talked about it last time. What's the formula? There really is no formula for all these guys. I mean, Probula is a guy that Penn State should get, um, and, and, and he would be a guy that if they missed on, you would actually, you know, I know everybody asks this all the time, but you would ask, is something wrong? If they missed on Bo, Bo Probula, that would be a fair question in that point, is something wrong? I don't see them missing on that. But yeah, starting to move on the offensive side of the ball, get a little bit of buzz there and, you know, just ride it while you can. And, and it's been funny to sort of watch not just Penn State, but different schools, uh, especially during this pandemic shutdown, riding those waves while they can. Penn State did it with, what, 10 commitments in seven weeks or something along those lines and then completely shut down. So if you've got a chance to uh, sort of flaunt your momentum, take it uh, where you can go. I mean, that's a, that's a good opportunity. So beyond these three guys, Jerry Cross uh, committed to on Tuesday. Uh, beyond these three guys, I mean, you, you look to continue building it and, and it might be a situation where you see the offensive class not fill up, but the offensive class move very quickly before that defensive class sort of kicks into gear. Later on, we've got some updates on a couple other 2022 targets for Penn State, both also on the offensive side of the football, narrowing focus to three schools with the Nittany Lions, uh, one of those programs in the mix for their favorites. We have our five-star mailbag to get to, but we begin with that commitment on Tuesday evening coming from Jerry Cross. 
You mentioned the regionally different uh, paths to Penn State for these first couple of commitments with Caden Saunders out of Ohio, Cross out of Wisconsin, Prabula, who we'll focus on in a bit in his upcoming announcement nearby in Pennsylvania. Also very different in terms of their relationship with Penn State and how their recruitment has grown with the university. Caden Saunders on campus a bunch in 2019, got an offer after visiting as a freshman, made it to Beaver Stadium a couple times last fall. Uh, of course, Prabula is a kid who grew up rooting for Penn State in a Nittany Lions household. And then you've got Jerry Cross out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The Badgers wanted this kid. That was the other uh, hat on the table, essentially, here in the conversation as he stepped up to make his decision. Penn State has never hosted the kid. It's something we talked about uh, last episode and very nearly tried to break down that door and become the first commitment for Penn State in this class two weeks ago. Didn't happen at that time, but we didn't even get to August before it ultimately came to fruition. And he follows up Caden Saunders, who committed on Saturday afternoon. And by the way, if you missed our first episode of the week. We had Caden Saunders on for about 15 minutes, breaking down his decisions, some of his targets, uh, moving on from an Ohio State neighborhood to Happy Valley in the future and what that's going to mean for him and his family. Uh, But now we we put the spotlight on Cross, who at six foot six and approximately 220 pounds, plays wide receiver for his high school, King High School in Milwaukee, but we project him as a tight end all the way, and he is a top 10 tight end when you look at both the composite rankings and the 24-7 sports rankings for that 2022 class. At 6'6", 220, um, he thinks he's going to play some wide receiver. Uh, I, I have bad news for him. Nature is going to take over and he's going to be 250 pounds in no time. Uh, so we'll see where that, uh, how soon that change takes uh, takes over. But uh, yeah, he's got uh, a lot of that uh, flex tight end type of game. Um, you know, you, you sort of compare, uh, you know, where, where we're at right now with the roster, you compare him to uh, more Zach Kuntz than Pat Fryermuth because, you know, you, you kind of have that style down. So um, I, I see that going. Uh, you, you look at his tape and I, I like him as a prospect a lot. There's really not a ton you can take from his tape. He is an absolute man child on the field compared to the guys he's playing with. So uh, a lot of jump balls, a lot of going down the field, things like that. So really not a ton that you can take from that, but we've seen him in person with 24 seven sports. We talked about it with Alan true. Um, he's a guy that saw him in seven on seven and legitimate athlete, uh, certainly going to put the work in and, and get where he needs to be to, uh, sort of make that transition to, to sort of move in. And I don't know that he's ever going to be a true hand in the ground. I mean, he's a guy maybe, you move him across the formation, and it's tough to say that with a, excuse me, with a guy that's so tall. Usually, when you when you think of a guy like that, it's more of a of a Brenton Strange that's six three or six three plus, and you know, moving around as an H back type guy. But Jerry Cross has that potential. Uh, you, you, I mean, it's a great tight end room. Uh, it's there's really not much else you can say. So be interesting to see where that stands when he gets here. Of course, Pat Fryermuth not expected to be here beyond this year, but you've got Koontz, you've got uh, uh, Strange in there that will be veterans by that time. You've got Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren who just came in that the staff likes both of those guys an awful lot. So uh, it's going to be tough to break through as a tight end, but at the same time, it's going to be a, a, a really great competition and we'll see where the we'll see where this room sits a couple years from now but uh you know just in a really good spot and they they haven't even taken a tight end in the class of 2021 uh Khalil Dinkins uh from from Pittsburgh still the guy that they've really centered in on over the last couple of weeks with uh with some of those other targets going elsewhere excuse me the last couple of months with some of those other targets going elsewhere so that potential is still open to sign one in 2021 of course they have one in 2023 in Mega Barnwell who 
by the way, this week uh, transferred high schools to Riverbend High School in uh, in Virginia. So be uh, you know, of course, uh, we'll track his career throughout. But uh, yeah, that tight end room. If you look across the board, not too many worries for uh, for Tyler Bowen in that group. Uh, I guess for the next couple of years. Wrote about that position room on Saturday afternoon for for an article that went up on the site, and they have quite the secession plan in place. They already proved they were able to do that uh, transitioning from Mike Gesicki, uh, a top NFL talent going into the draft in 2018, to, to the true freshman, Pat Fryermuth, who was your starter by the end of his first sem- uh, first September on campus. Uh, the rest is history. He has started every game uh, going back to, to the late September of 2018. Uh, t- Penn State tight ends, 31 touchdown catches the last three years. You, you throw a little bit of Nick Bowers in there. Certainly Mike Kosicki, Pat Fryermuth doing the bulk of work. But even Brenton Strange got to the end zone in his college debut last year. It's exciting to, 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 to kind of project what lies ahead because it's not just the guy who replaces Pat Fryermuth who, who kind of, you know, perks up your interest. It's the guy who replaces that guy too. I mean, whether it's a Zach Goons or a Bretton Stranger, maybe a Theo Johnson, ultimately moving into the starting role when Pat Fryer moves on to the NFL, you know, there's going to be the question of, okay, who's next behind him? You know, Tyler Warren, uh, a developmental guy who was going to play division, division one football at the quarterback position. You know, how does he progress in the next few years? I know Barton Simmons thought he could be the sleeper offensively for Penn state in this entire 2021 or 2020 class. We'll see what they get in 21, but I love this start. Um, adding Cross to Saunders it, to begin this 2022 class. You talk about Cross simply being uh, a major matchup issue with his size, athleticism at the high school level, reflected very well in, in the stat sheet. 28 catches don't stand out, but he produced 533 yards off of those catches. That's you know pushing near 20 yards per catch. And then 11 touchdowns on those 28 catches as a sophomore. Um, this is a player who you, you'd imagine the coordination is going to continue to get better as he gets used to this physical frame. I think you're right. The, the pounds should be packed on pretty easily with a kid like this. He certainly has the room to grow. And, and Zach Koontz was the first name that I thought of, a player who at the high school level, um, you know, it wasn't just about the measurables, which, you know, extending beyond six foot six. And I think Zach was a bit lighter at this stage in his career, if I recall correctly. But the kid was doing things athletically on the tr- on the track as a hurdle as a hurdle sprinter and and on the football field that wide receiver and you're thinking when if he can put it together and become a balanced tight end what does this look like we're wondering if this is the year for Zach Koontz in year number three on campus which you know it, it may take cross two three years in a college system to to get where you want him to be at tight end but. I really like all the pieces that are in place with him. And just like any tight end that we talk about, a Theo Johnson, a top five prospect at the position, you look at what he encounters in the room and what Tyler Bowen has to work with. And the beautiful thing for Bowen and company is you get these young talents, but you don't have to force them into a spot where they got to play for you game one on and, and take their lumps in the game action. They can work behind the scenes. They can follow the lead of a guy like Pat Fryermuth. You hope that someone is there to take the torch from Fryermuth as a leader and a tone setter in this room. Uh, but I really, really, really think that, that Penn State is making their case uh, right now, presently, and then long term to be considered one of the top tight end rooms in the entire country. I, I agree with that. And and really one of the most fascinating things is still unknown in terms of the, the immediate backup for Pat Fryermuth. I think it's it's really 
an underrated position battle. I think both of those guys can play. And I think it's going to be, you know, sort of like we saw with the running backs room last year. If you, if you don't make it through and, and one of those guys doesn't make it through, I mean, that's, that's a tough, uh, tough thing to climb back from. So Zach Koontz and Brenton Strange, uh, I, I don't expect to see much of the freshmen this year. You know, not sure what, uh, what the season's going to look like, but beyond that, uh, Excuse me, Theo Johnson coming off of shoulder surgery, Tyler Warren still learning the position. So uh, a lot of potential there, but those three guys in front of them are are very, very good. So I, I, I really don't see them making that leap. But back to Koontz versus Strange, you've got kind of different types of tight ends, but also not because, you know, those guys are both uh, receiver types. Both were, you know, pretty good, uh, you know, all around athletes and, and guys that can play, uh, you know, not multiple positions, but Koontz could step up and play uh, as a receiver, as a uh, as a tight end, move him across the formation, all that kind of stuff. Strange, you could even see being a defensive end type guy. So, I mean, it's uh, it, it's really a, a fascinating position battle. It was one of the ones in spring that I was looking forward to the most, but obviously we did not get that. So, um, it really remains to be seen. I mean, you you, you asked me right now who's going to win that battle, and I I don't know. So, it'll be uh, interesting to watch those guys over the next month or or two when they get into practice if they get into practice. So um, it's it's a good spot to be in because nobody's unseating Pat Fryermuth, but at the same time, you've got options. You can roll some 12 personnel out there and and it'll be interesting because you think 12 personnel, you think, you know, one tight end on the line, one tight end, maybe at the wing or something like that. But that's not necessarily the case, especially with guys like Koontz and Strange. You can move them out, split them out wide and really get your offense going. You know, you could do some of that no huddle stuff by moving those guys around. And are you really going to lose that much athleticism? Are you really going to lose that much by splitting Zach Kuntz out wide one play and then bringing him across the formation the next play and playing him off a of pat and then splitting pat out wide. There's a, there's so many things that you can do with these guys because they're so athletic and so skilled. And, and I think given what we know about the wide receivers and given what we don't know about the wide receivers, that should be a, an intriguing option for, for Kirk Shiraka, you know, who be honest with you, didn't use the tight end at Minnesota. So he's going to have some tools at his disposal that really he didn't have back at his last stop. And, you know, it's a good spot to be in if you if you're the Penn State offense. Personnel, I think, looks looks quite different for for Kirk Shiraka right now at Penn State than it did with Minnesota last year. Um, and and you know, you start off by examining what you've got in the tight end room and the wide receiver room, and and work off of there. And I think to begin this class without Penn State going out and having a chance to showcase what its new offensive attack. Uh, it is going to look like how productive it can be, where it can can lead this thing in new directions, and 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 how that can maybe sell on the recruiting trail. Even before you get to that point, you pick up to start your 2022 class a pair of top 200 overall talents. When we look at the early composite rankings for that group, at really valuable positions on the offensive end, you get a, a tight end here who, who looks like a hybrid athlete at the next level, and you, you want to see where his physical development continues to take him. And then you've got Caden Saunders, who is going to be very soon, as he told us, shifting his focus full-time to football after really seriously pushing in baseball to, to play beyond high school. He, that's going to be something that takes his game to another level. I think he's he's not, not the physical specimen. Uh, certainly when we talk about Jerry Cross, a kid who's not, you know, he's under six foot. 
under 180 pounds, but I think you really like a lot of what Saunders already has in his arsenal to, to, to potentially make some some uh, damage out of the slot, maybe play a little special teams returner. So I think two skill positions, addressing them early, guys who do carry so, so, some notoriety on the recruiting trail because of their offer list, because of the way they are evaluated within this industry. Um, it is a, a, you know, a nice little the domino effect going on here early in the 2022 class. Um, you know, we know that Cross and Saunders didn't have a relationship uh, going into this decision. You know, Saunders said he reached out, had not yet heard back, but they're going to build one now. And 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 we'll get into this now. They may have company when it comes to recruiting other 2022 targets. And if you can start assembling blue chips uh, like this at this stage from different regions, particularly within the entire Big Ten, uh, you know, blueprint uh, up in up in Wisconsin, uh, over in Ohio, and, and potentially here on home turf with Pennsylvania. Bo Perbula scheduling an announcement on Monday, Sean, a guy that we've talked about quite a bit since he got his offer uh, in the spring from Penn State, uh, a player who grew up. And when Saturdays in the fall for him and his family, that meant they were going to find a TV, find a couch and gather around, watch Penn State and see what happened there. He's got a lot of respect for the program, a lot of fond memories of Trace McSorley wheeling and dealing at quarterback. And now he may be in a position himself to step up and and, and say, I want to be a quarter, Penn State quarterback myself. I know we've had crystal ball picks in for a while. Nothing has dissuaded me for, from, from changing my mind on that. Uh, so again, we could be saying in the span of 10, 11 days, you could have three offensive components on board for your 2022 class without ever actually getting a full practice completed under your new offensive coordinator. And I think that uh, sets the stage for a potentially really big 2022 cycle for them offensively. I mean, this is uh, this is one that we've kind of seen coming for a while now. And, you know, we do expect it to be Penn State. And, you know, I, I, he's got the other offers there, Nebraska, Northwestern, some some other uh, West Virginias in there, some other nice D1 offers. It's a really interesting recruitment because those 2022 quarterbacks and not just signaling out uh, Bo here, but those 2022 quarterbacks really missed out on not only the camp season, but also the spring evaluation season, which is when you see a lot of those offers go out from from college coaches that can travel around. They can watch a workout. Usually these high school coaches will direct a workout just to, you know, showcase what their quarterback can do. Uh, it, Perbula is thrown for the, the Penn State staff as a whole a couple of times during camp, but uh, obviously Kirk Shiraka was not part of that Penn State staff, but Shiraka was the one that did offer him back in March. So, you know, he, he must have seen what he liked. And, you know, I've seen what I, I've liked what I've seen in terms of uh, athleticism. I, I know he's got some work to do as a thrower, but I've heard that he's made strides. And I'm, I'm curious to see what his offense looks like this year as there's rumors of an air raid coming to Central York, which uh, York County doesn't see a ton of air raids. So we will see uh, how that goes. So uh, I, I mean, I, I like him a lot. I, I have no problem with them taking him right now. You offer a Pennsylvania quarterback, you want to get him in the boat as soon as possible. Excuse me. He's got connections and, and this is a very good year in the mid-state in terms of uh, Anthony Ivy is a guy that he uh, texts with every day, he told me. So, I um, mean, you want to continue to build that relationship. And and was it uh, was it Shiraka or uh, Franklin that we talked to this summer that said the importance of getting a quarterback into the class early? Um, you can't overstate that. So it'll be, uh, you know, one of those things where, you, you know, you go into the announcement expecting Penn State to get it. But, you know, this is a, a get that you would like. And, and, and we looked at uh, I looked at my crystal ball um, that was put in on the afternoon that he got the uh, uh, the offer. 
trying to see, trying to pinpoint which time it went in. Yet yeah, that went in uh, about 15 minutes after he got the offer. So that's that's really not exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think mine was 19 exactly minutes, maybe. Yeah, it was a race for you, me, and Doan. <laughs> we all raced to getting it, and I got mine in first, I believe. So uh, good on me. Uh, it's not. It, taking the low-hanging fruit, uh, and I'm not calling him and not saying by talent, but this is one that you could see coming for a long, long time. Feel good about this one right when the offer goes out because these in-state quarterback offers are not plentiful for Penn State. Um, and then you factor in the conversation I had within a few days of that offer where I'm learning about uh, you know, this kid dressing up as a Penn State f- football player for Halloween and start putting together the pieces that this is a good situation uh, for James Franklin and the Nittany Lions. And going back to, to the production and, and why I think when people see this on the surface, they're going to say, oh, well, what does this kid actually do, a quarterback? What do we know about him? Because last year, as a sophomore, 1,200 passing yards, 18 total touchdowns, almost 400 rushing yards. He was in a situation where they really asked him to be the game manager. Uh, This is a team that defeated seven of their opponents by five touchdowns or more, so they weren't in a position to really be throwing the ball in a lot of second halves. Um, and additionally, he did tell me, he brought up that air raid offense, says that some some coaching staff changes there uh, for, for Central York are going to really uh, spice things up for what he is going to have in his wheelhouse at the quarterback spot. Not going to be a, as many handoffs, as, as many game manager uh, kind of duties as there is going to be, hey, take the football and go win the game for us, make plays with your feet, make plays with your arm. He's the number 10 dual threat quarterback, Sean, when we look at 24-7 sports composite rankings. Um, and, and this is a player who has gotten significant power five interest. You mentioned a couple of those offers. I wrote down a few here in Nebraska, Northwestern, Rutgers, Syracuse, West Virginia, Virginia Tech. We're not talking about the Clemson and LSU and Ohio State kind of offers rolling in for this guy, but maybe we will be after his junior year. And if Penn State can get this thing locked in and get him locked in as a class leader at this stage of his career, it's going to go a long way. Correct me if I'm mistaken, but they have not had a quarterback on board this early if Prabula is to pick Penn State on Monday. That hasn't happened since the uh, 2017 cycle, I think, when Sean Clifford committed before his junior year. Yeah, that I mean, Roberson was early, but not this early. And you just look at what uh, you know they were able to do uh, to surround him. I mean, it's it, it's important. It's, it's very important to to get somebody like that on, especially in a year where you're trying to reestablish yourself in Pennsylvania. I talked about Ivy a little bit earlier, Makai Flowers, and of course, there's a ton of talent in the eastern part of the state in 2022, and you really want to start hitting on that and seeing what if you can reestablish. I don't think you're you're going to hear dominate the state or anything like that anymore, but you want to reestablish. Establish uh, sort of your foothold there, and 2022 is is the year that you kind of have to do it. So uh, we'll we'll see where that goes. But I think getting Perbula, uh, it, was, it was interesting on our board. Somebody, of course, uh, made the comment: would, would Clemson or or Ohio State take this guy? And if you look at Clemson's 2020 commit, Bubba Chandler, he's kind of a carbon copy of Bo Perbula. So uh, yes, I mean that's uh, I, I think that you'll eventually get there. Again, I'd love to see him throw in person. Uh, you know, I know that he's got got some some juice behind that arm he's got a strong arm I don't know that it's the most uh finesse passer that we've we've ever seen but again he was just coming into his own as, as a rising sophomore that's the questions that you're going to have to have answered for all these 2022 quarterbacks did they peak too early how much growth do they have left to go and based on the people that I spoke to around Perbula they think that he's got plenty of room to grow I don't think he's the um 
the Robo QB. Um, that's something that uh, has been mentioned, you know, through the years in terms of guys that, you know, <laughs> I know Tyler that we've seen guys on Twitter whose dads are posting their third and fourth grade or third and fourth grade uh, midget football highlights. Um, I don't really see that with Probula. I, th- I see him as a guy that, you know, has, has always been the good athlete. So you put him at quarterback to sort of run the show and, and he's developed from there. And now he's developed into, you know, a quality quarterback. So, uh, you know, I, I like the pickup for Penn State. Well, I mean, we'll talk more about him next week, but uh, yes, things certainly looking good for the Nittany Lions at this point, and to get a quarterback in is is very important. Prabula, when he was offered that conversation with James Franklin back in April, uh, centered for a bit on Trace McSorley, and this isn't the first time that Franklin has brought up McSorley uh, on the quarterback recruiting trail. It will not be the last. So much success here, um, and and it's a guy that he brought up in, in, in connotation with Micah Bowen's last signing day f- from kind of the way they approached the game mentally and being under six foot. Um, he told Prabula that he watched his film 15 times, and the name he kept circling back to was Trace McSorley in terms of style of play. And that was very special to Prabula, but this is where I say there's a glaring contrast here. Uh, McSorley is now 24 years old. He's a second-year NFL player, and his bio with the Baltimore Ravens currently puts him at six foot, 202 pounds. Prabula is halfway through his high school football career. He's already two inches taller. And I think he probably already exceeds that weight. If he doesn't, he will soon. So he's a different physical uh, physical kind of force, I think. But he's also very much like with Trace McSorley, you would get he's a quarterback, but he's this kid's a football player. You, you could see him at safety. You could see him competing at wide receiver. You can, you know, he's got that. I think Prabula, you'll hear kind of the same uh, same deal when we get a reaction to, to his, if it is Penn State, once he signs and we can hear about him from coaches, I think you'll hear some of the same conversation about where this kid could, could, get division one looks at various spots in the football field and, and and they like him at quarterback. And, and the thing that stands out to me is, you know, where does this take your quarterback recruiting? Because you know, that Kirk Shiraka, um is going to want to get this thing uh, out and rolling in front of people and, and and putting up points in big games and and show what he can do with Sean Clifford and and if those things happen that's going to have a tremendous carryover effect on what they can accomplish recruiting players at the quarterback position and really throughout the offensive attack but I, I do wonder now you, you got a lot of potential vibes to build offensively on the recruiting trail do they continue to, you know, look at a two quarterback class? Maybe we've seen it twice under James Franklin, uh, 2014, 2019, and and now is 2022 to a, another year where we look at that. Some names that popped up during our conversation with Caden Saunders, who I think knows pretty well who Penn State is interested in a quarterback, and and he's going to be in communication with those guys. He mentioned Perbula. He mentioned Ty Simpson, um, who who I believe is down in Tennessee, uh, or is that Georgia? For Ty Simpson's in, in Tennessee. I'm I'm sorry. And then also, uh, he didn't mention him, but Braden Davis continues to be a name that comes to me uh, in Delaware. The one he did mention that kind of caught both of our attention uh, was Duffy out, out in, uh, in, in Southern California. Uh, A.J. Duffy, who was the first player, I think, offered by Kirk Shiraka at the quarterback spot when he got to campus. So there's at least three names right there, and, 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 and they're all kind of all over the place. You've got Braden Davis more within the region at Delaware at a school that produced Chris Godwin um, not too long ago go. Um, but to me, Prabula, if the commitment comes Monday, I don't see that closing the book on 2022 quarterback. I think there's way too much evolution to go for that class of prospects. And there's way too much evolution to go for what Penn State's perception will look like when quarterbacks consider the Nittany Lions as an option. 
And a first here on the Lions 24-7 podcast, Tyler left out the kid from Jersey, uh, Stephen Angeli from, from Bergen Caden Catholic. Caden Saunders uh, left out the kid from Jersey, too. So yeah, I, I was yeah. kind of jumping off his list. I'm sure he probably <laughs> suggested it to him. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, Braden Davis still out there, of course. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not sold that it's going to be a two-quarterback class, maybe as much as I was. But you look at some of the names on there as well. Destin Wade, really, really good athlete. Uh, is he a quarterback? Maybe. Uh, Preston Howard, really, really good athlete. That's is right. he a quarterback? I mean, you, so so you've got options if you do want to bring in a second quarterback. It doesn't have to be and you know a, an actual quarterback. And of course, we said the same thing about Bo Perbula in terms of him being an athlete. So uh, what, what's interesting to me is we've talked so much about getting away from running the quarterback and getting away from you know the 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 athlete that plays quarterback that you know Michael Johnson Jr. is all of a sudden you know in the transfer portal and, and going to look elsewhere. Um, you, but you you look at a guy like Prabula who has those athletic credentials and and it's interesting to me because you compare him to Trace McSorley. Are you trying to continue that whole running quarterback thing with, with that you ha- had with McSorley? Because obviously it's worked against you. You've had guys banged up at, at the end of the year and it's worked against you on the recruiting trail as well. So that, that's the interesting thing to me about Prabula. Um, you know, you, you saw the guys that Chiraca was able to develop, develop. You see that, uh, AJ Duffy was the first guy that he offered out in California, more pure passer type guys, the Tanner Morgan style. If we're going to pigeonhole these guys, um, Prabula is really not in that mold so we'll see which uh which direction he goes with his improvement in terms of uh you know does he uh you know does he round out into one of the better throwers in this class it's you know it remains to be seen and i think there's just so much mystery and so much intrigue about these 2022 guys because nobody has really seen them college coaches uh people in our position at 24 7 sports so it's tough to see where these guys have gone in the last four or five months Prabula is an ex- excellent example of what we're missing from this offseason. He's the kind of quarterback because of the offensive system he played in as a sophomore, because he did miss a couple games with a knee injury as a sophomore as well. Um, we just didn't get to see a lot of reps with him playing true quarterback position and everything that you're asked to do at the college level. Um, would have been great to have seen him at, at an Elite 11 camp this spring. Would have been great to see him at, at a Penn State camp in, in June or July out there slinging the ball under Kirk Sherrod direct attention that's something we, we would have certainly seen in years past not the case this year but at quarterback uh, you're going to trust what your what your evaluation is and and I, I know he mentioned Kirk Shiraka wants to see him throw um, now, there's a lot of ways that they can virtually correspond and, and get a feel for each other um, but yeah it's and, it's, and if I can break in there he, yeah. that's something that's something he's done is done a lot of those videotaped workouts and show I mean he's sent Penn State a lot of stuff and that really helped with the evaluation process and really helped in terms of what they were looking for in, in there so I think that that's something to, to take into account when you're talking to uh, when, when you're talking about you know where he looked in his sophomore year going into his sophomore year when they last saw him in person versus where he's at uh, right now I think that there's been some improvement in sort of the technical side of things and more of the uh, probably the elite 11 style sort of thing where you're going out, you're throwing on air, but of course you're, you know, you're working on those fundamentals. You're working on getting the ball where it needs to be and ball placement and all that kind of stuff. So he, he really, you know, put in that work and put in that effort to, to get that tape to the staff. And I think that really helped with their evaluation to offer him back in March. One more note on this potential impact long-term for the 2020 recruiting class. And, and if Prabula does indeed pick 
Penn State on Monday. You know we'll, we'll run with this again on Tuesday and, and, and go down that, this road in further detail. Uh, but with Prabula, if he does come on board at this stage, a month out of his junior year of high school, a kid who I think seems to have the personality, uh, the character uh, to engage with other recruits on, on the trail in 2022 and really kind of try to be that the guy who beats the drum for a recruiting class at the quarterback position. I think that's very valuable. And to me, he's kind of the first guy who fits that mold of one, committing early, and two, having that kind of personality since Sean Clifford. And Clifford was an important peer recruiter uh, for Penn State during the 2017 recruiting cycle. He was committed before his junior year of high school. He went to a lot of camp events. Uh, I talked about it a lot. It's all firsthand, him really pushing for K.J. Hamler at, at camp after camp after camp and really trying to, to, to bring him on board. And I think with Prabula, the kind of time he'll have, um, it just it kind of it, it's something that we haven't seen for Penn State. Last year was Micah Bowens. He committed fairly early February of his junior year, but then he went back home to Las Vegas, and you know that's a long way away. I know he got back to campus here and there and, and did his diligence there, but that's difficult to be a ringleader for a class when you're committing after your first visit and you're living in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, you got Christian Veyu, definitely a guy who's trying to do that, but he can't get to campus for events. There's no lash bass for him to be at. There, there's no camps for him to go and, and get in guys' faces directly. I think that restricts the opportunity for him to be a, a class leader, an external part of the staff that can that can kind of do do things for, for your class in person. That's off the table now. And, and then you go back to Michael Johnson Jr. He visited campus once all the way from Oregon. I don't really know what you can do as a class leader in that situation. And Taquan Roberson has always come across to me as more of a reserve personality. Maybe that's changed a bit, but I never viewed him as a guy who was a big leader, big time leader in that 2019 recruiting class. I could have had the wrong read there, but I just didn't get that impression. And with Will Levis, you didn't get him on board in your class until after his junior year of high school when you had to replace Justin Fields. So again, going all the way back now, five cycles to where Sean Clifford won got on board early, and two, had the personality to help magnetize the situation a little bit and at least attract some attention. Uh, I don't want to shortchange the other guys, but I think just the dynamics in play where you hope to get Prabula on campus eventually with other prospects down the road might not be something you get to do with Veyu, and I think that's all part of it beyond the talent that Penn State could acquire the personality and the recruiting boost that they could gain here at, at an early stage of the cycle, it, it, it's 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 very noteworthy, I think. Well, well, let's simplify it. It gives guys, you know, receivers, prospects in his class, it gives them time to learn his name. It gives them time to look at him, to see what he's about, to, you know, convert, have conversations with him about what they're looking for, about what he's looking for. And, and really, it, it's going to give them more time. And that's not something that we've seen, especially in this last class, um, you know, getting Christian Veyu on board is great, is fantastic, but they did get him pretty late. If you even if you look back to 2018, and I know they lost Justin Fields, but having Justin Fields as a big part of that class that early, uh, which was December, uh, November, December of, of his junior year, guys love um, that. Guys, guys love that. Yeah, I mean, guys flocked to it, and and even even then, he wasn't the you know the the number one player, the number two player in the class. So uh, it just having a guy that that on board that early goes so so long, and I think Prabula, just based off of our conversations, based off of what we know from him, seems like a guy that. You you know, if he, you know, if somebody wants to throw with him, he's going to hop in the car and go drive to, uh, you know, somewhere else in Pennsylvania and go throw with him somewhere in Maryland. I don't think he has a problem with doing that. And I think that, you know, if he can take on that, if there's some natural leadership there, and if you're going to compare someone to Trace McSorley, that's going to be a, a comparison that eventually happens anyway. If there's some natural leadership there, it, it can really go a long way. And you can, you can sort of ride that wave as, as long as you can, at least on the offensive side of the ball. 
and you're going to get some sketchy commitments in the 2022 cycle. There's no way around it. If you're taking commitments now in the cycle, you're going to be a little wary about them. Jerry Cross, we've circled. No Penn State visits, no experience on campus. What does that mean for his commitment long term for the next year and a half? This is one that you feel great about. And at quarterback, that's a good thing. On campus three times last year was Bo Perbula. Uh, again, I, I think this is, uh, if, if he's the pick for Penn State, uh, folks may say, oh, he's a three-star. But you start to, 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 to dig it down the layers a little bit, where this kid is in his career, uh, this transition he's going through at the high school level, the offers that have come in bunches, and, and Penn State getting him on board at this stage, I, I do think this will be a tremendous pickup. And, and to me, um, uh, to start out with those three players in, in on the offensive side for Kirk Shiraka and what they want to accomplish on the field eventually when they get a chance, I just think there's a lot to like about the first pieces that are being assembled for Penn State. I agree. And we're going to talk about some potential more pieces uh, on the other side of the commercial break. So stick with us. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. We will circle back on Bo, Bo Perbula later. Uh, th- well, the first episode of the month uh, of August. I was going to say later this month, but suddenly July is coming to a close. Uh, we'll see what Perbula does Monday, and, and we'll react to it on Tuesday in the next episode. For now, staying our focus on the 2022 class, Sean. A couple interesting top schools lists coming out this week. One, a familiar name here in the state of Pennsylvania, Anthony Ivey. Penn State, Arizona State, West Virginia. Uh, interestingly enough, a couple uh, guys with with Penn State ties doing work for Arizona State and West Virginia in this recruitment. But a kid we saw on camp last year, a guy who really dazzled when he got on the football field as a junior, put up big-time numbers, about 25 yards per catch. Uh, another player who, in the Caden Saunders mold, isn't going to wow you with his measurements at this point. But I really like this kid, quite polished for a young age. And as you talked with him, he's got a commitment timeline in mind already. Nothing imminent with Anthony Ivey, but yeah, he's, uh, I don't want to say tired of the process, but if you take a look at the interview that we did uh, with him on 24-7 Sports this week, um, there's some. There's a lot of maturity that goes into it because he's basically said, you know what, there, this has been a lot. Dealing with these Zoom calls, dealing with these coaches throughout the shutdown, it's been a lot. So I just wanted to cut it down really you know, kind of figured out which schools he was interested in and which schools he wasn't and, and made that. I mean, I, I was surprised when he cut it to three. I mean, you're not seeing a ton of those 2022 guys cut it to uh, to a list that small. I still like Penn State here in terms of uh, when he's going to to, to commit, uh, which is going to be in the fall. Uh, I still like Penn State's chances here. He's been on campus for three. He was on campus for three games last year, of course, camped. It was really interesting um, sort of uh, – series of events when you're talking about him camping and we both saw him at camp you really liked him at camp I really liked him at camp um, no offer yet 
had, a, I believe, a, a wrist injury that kept him out the first three or four weeks of the season. And then all of a sudden, he he broke into it in a big way. Eight catches, 292 yards, and two touchdowns against Wilson in his season debut. Uh, that'll, that'll do it. Do. Yeah, that did it for Penn State. Penn State turned around and offered him. And uh, James Franklin went and saw him play against Warwick the next week. Of course, Nolan Rucci, um, a target on that field as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is a guy that uh, really made a, a big first impression for Penn State. And you know, the numbers, uh, he didn't play a full season last year, so the numbers aren't uh, as big as you would think they are. But at the same time, uh, a lot of smoothness to his game. Um, you know, he's five, He's a legit 5'11", probably 5'11 and a half, um, 180 pounds. I mean, there's a, there's a lot to like about his game. Sort of reminds me of a Jahan Dotson when we're talking about... Man, you took the okay. words right when out of my mouth. When you look at his film, there's an element <laughs> of smoothness to his game. And, and you know, he's, you know, he ran a 4'5 for the staff last year. And, you know, he's got some, some athletic credentials and things like that but there's just an element of smoothness to his game and when you put him out there it doesn't look like he's running a four or five it looks like he's sort of gliding that uh whatever he's running so i i like him a lot i i you know you kind of toss him up between him and makai flowers and in, in uh in state who's the top receiver I would probably give the nod to Ivy, but then again, I'm sort of predisposed. I like Makai Flowers as a safety better than than a receiver. So uh, I think they're two really, really good targets for Penn State, uh, especially in the immediate area. And they would be, you know, they would go a long way in that 22 class to to pair with a Caden Saunders to maybe make a run at Darius Clemens out west or some other guys. I mean, there's a lot of receivers that are already on the board, um, but uh, those are the guys that stick out. And, and Ivy, you know, I like where Penn State stands. Of course, West Virginia's in there. Jared Parker, very familiar, was the guy that offered him, uh, you know, at Penn State. Adam Brenneman at Arizona State has been recruiting him. Uh, he would probably have to get out to Arizona State for them to be the pick. So I, I see this as a Penn State-West Virginia battle. The interesting thing, he did grow up a West Virginia fan, called it a dream school. Um, so can't write them off, but I, I do like where Penn State stands. Haven't put in the crystal ball yet, um, but I think that eventually it will get there. As I mentioned earlier, he and Bo Probula text every day. They've trained together, worked out together. So I, I think that's going to be something that uh, you see kind of pull him this way. But, uh, you know, there's a couple months to go in this recruitment. Uh, he, he doesn't like to be sort of uh, showered with attention or anything like that. So, you know, a lot can happen. But at the same time, you know, you got to feel good if you're Penn State. This is another blue chip prospect in the 2022 class at an offensive skill position. We talked about those are the early pieces for Penn State so far on this trail. Well, here's another number uh, 12 in the 24-7 sports wide receiver rankings nationally. He's just outside the top 100 overall at number 103. So he would be the highest rated Penn State commit considering the names we've discussed so far. Uh, and additionally, uh, number four in the state of Pennsylvania behind Anai White, Keenan Nelson, and Nicholas Singleton. Um, he he lands right there, just ahead of Makai Flowers. And and I think I'm of a, of a similar sentiment with you, Sean, in terms of Flowers uh, playing safety at the next level and, and where that higher ceiling is. And Ivy, to me, you bring up Dotson, and, and, and that's kind of where my mind went. I don't know if it popped uh, up in my head right when we saw him uh, at camp last year, but... I remember watching Jahan Dotson about halfway through his high school career and having similar thoughts where this 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 looks like a really polished prospect. He, he's he's running routes crisper than guys who are a year or two older than him. Um, you know, not a lot of wasted movement. It just makes it look pretty effortless, which is really nice to see from a 15, 16 year old receiver. 
but also still looks like a kid more than some of the other prospects that we're talking about. You've got some guys who are already uh, really building up a lot of muscle and guys who you can see, you know, can you bulk him up and does he can, does he move further up on the field? Can he get to another position maybe? Um, this is not one of those players. You know, this is a wide receiver all the way with Ivy, and you look at him on, on that camp field last year, and it's been a while since then. It's been just about a full year, so he, he may look a lot different. But I remember thinking, for as polished as he looks, he still does kind of look like a kid among young adults out here on the field I, that maybe that changed maybe he's gone through the kind of growth spurt the kind of physical development that we routinely see when a player goes from a sophomore to a junior in high school and he's on the right path I, I think regardless um, but another player that I think where if Penn State can add him to the group um, and pair him with Caden Saunders at receiver you already got Jerry Cross who's just a really fun pass target to kind of evaluate in general and, and, and what he will become as he develops that's a lot to like throwing Bo Perbula, you know, getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here, getting ahead of myself, but nothing to discourage me in terms of Anthony Ivy ending up with the Penn State Nittany Lions, unless he's able to take visits elsewhere before this decision comes through. But uh, he's done a lot of uh, homework on Penn State at this point. I think the staff has, has done its homework on him. And it was really nice to see him bounce back from that injury last year. You mentioned costing him early stages of his season. That was that was tough to see because I thought a big year was on tap. And it still was, as I said, about 25 yards per catch as a sophomore at Mannheim Township in Lancaster. And, and then another 2022 name to, to know here, Sean, also put out a top three. And I'm, I'm with you. We're, we're still seeing top 12s and top 10s from these rising seniors. Now we got rising juniors giving us top threes. It's an interesting dynamic. The one to know here and another guy that you recently caught up caught up with is Bennett Christian, a tight end out of Georgia. And, and this is quite the top three. Penn State, Ohio State, Tennessee, and two of those top three, Sean, he's got some family ties. Well, his father played at Tennessee, grew up a Tennessee fan, so obviously the Vols are going to be heavily in the picture. Uh, also has ties to Penn State. His, his uncle, Greg Christian, played defensive line for the Nittany Lions in the 1970s, and he he's, you know he came up as a kid and, and visited, I mean, not really visited, but he came up as a kid, saw Penn State, so that kind of stuck with him, and I expect him to be on campus in the next couple of weeks. Uh, he and his dad plan on coming up and making a trip and, and doing one of those unofficial unofficials or whatever you call them. Ohio State, of course, prevalent in this one as well. Um, you know, this is a pretty good player, and this is, you know, we, we talked about the class that Penn State brought in a couple of years ago with Pat Fryermuth and Zach Koontz, and we equated Jerry Cross to Zach Koontz. This would be your Pat Fryermuth. This is a, is a big freaking kid. He can block. He can do some things. I think he's a really good player. So, um, and, and, and it's not, you know, definitely going to be a two tight end class, but with no tight end in the 2021 class, it's certainly open to doing so. And if you can bring in, uh, complimentary tight ends like this, I think you do that. I think that they would take Bennett Christian all day right now. And, uh, I, I, I don't know if he's close to a sit to a decision, but cutting it down to three, you know, it really seems like, like he's narrowed his focus. So we'll see where this one goes from here. Like I said, I expect him to be on campus in the next couple of weeks. Don't know exactly when that's going to be, but uh, a lot of these things are sort of all over the place right now in terms of planning. But uh trip from Georgia, you're going to have to put that together at some point. Anyway, I, I, I do think that Penn State has a shot here, and I do think that he's hit it off with Tyler Bowen, and and I do think that there's still space for another tight end in that class. So we'll see where that which direction that goes. I think he wants to get to Ohio State too. I know he's been to Tennessee many times. Uh, no crystal ball picks in. Um, so we'll, we'll see where that one goes. If Georgia offers, maybe that you know, throws a wrench into things, but uh, really talented guy from from down south and you know Penn State's in it more than more than most would think. 
Six foot five, pushing 230 pounds as a rising high school junior at Alatoona High School to, down to in quote, Georgia. To quote Rusty Manziel uh, of our Georgia site, he went and interviewed him uh, back in June. He just sent me a picture and he just said, that's a big ass kid right there. And, and Rusty's got this, you know, of course, that Southern draw. But uh, he's, he's no question about his size right now in terms of, uh, you know, what he brings to the table as one of those uh, sort of inline tight ends. You can almost hear Tyler Bowen with, with his Southern drawl saying the same phrase while watching film on this kid. Uh, it, it, with with Bennett Christian, Sean, number 18 tight end in the country. When we look at 24-7 sports rankings, you've got the number eight prospect at the position with Jerry Cross already committed. Um, this is just another example that because of what they've got cooking, and we think they've got cooking again in 2020, tight ends will be looking toward Penn State just so happens here, one in Georgia has some family connections to the program. As you said, Tennessee going to be tough to top in terms of familiarity. But another name to know, Ivy, Christian, each this week putting out top threes. Penn State on that list. Ivy seems to be more on the road towards a commitment in terms of what, what he has planned for the next few months. Christian could be as well. Uh, but the thing's moving quickly for Penn State in the 2022 cycle. Again, just a week ago. We weren't talking about commitments. We weren't talking about a lot of decision dates or, or top threes. And, and all of a sudden, you know, things in a week, you can see a cycle uh, take a big jump. By the way, Sean, if Penn State picks up commitment number three on Monday, they would be only the third team, unless things have changed since I checked last night, the third team in college football to have three commitments in the 2022 cycle. LSU has five. Ohio State has three. Uh, right now, Penn State's tied with a bunch of programs at two commitments. Um, so it's very early. It's very early. But people who have been concerned about, you know, let's Penn State, you know, kind of being treading water or being stuck in the mud with, with recruiting. We'll see what happens with 2021 and where that class goes from here. But I, I don't think there's any denying that you like the way things are starting to roll for the 2022 cycle at Penn State. Just um, give those people time. They'll find they'll find a, a, <laughs> a pocket there. You know, we mentioned this this thing goes in, in shifts and cycles. They'll find a pocket where they haven't had a commitment in six weeks. And that's when, you know, that's when the chirping will start again. Don't don't worry. It is, you know, it, it, it's like butter. It's it's going to it's going to come back around. Let's get into our five-star mailbag, which we always get to to finish off these episodes. A couple questions here, and, and the first says, hey guys, let's get back to the 2021 class. You know, the one that has 13 commits and is still getting built. He wants to know about the wide receiver targets, and here's that question. Dominic Lovett, uh, is out, of, uh, out of East St. Louis, Illinois, is ready to commit in September. Do you guys see Penn State winning this battle? His final four are not schools that the Lions are regularly in competition with for recruits. And are there any other possible 2021 wide receiver targets, such as Yolkeith Brown out of Florida, Deion Colsey out of Georgia, and Jaden Alexis, another one out of Florida, that Penn State could realistically add to this class? Uh, I'll start with the Lovett thing. I, I see Penn State third at best right now in terms of, uh, you know, Arizona State is a school that he's really, uh, you know, I, I think he's really intrigued by. He's never been there. Um, but Missouri is probably the the school that I would lean to right now. I uh, got a couple of his uh, his friends and teammates committed um, or on the roster right now. So I think those two would be the ones that uh, that, that would stick out. Of course, uh, weather has been something that, that's come up with him in his, uh, in his recruitment so far. Minnesota uh, kind of really didn't even give them a look because because of the weather. So uh, that's something that, you know, you could probably associate Penn State with. I mean, I know Minnesota's uh, reputation in terms of weather is is far beyond what, what Pennsylvania is, but still, you know, the further north you go, the colder it is. So 
you know, I think Missouri's probably in the best spot with Dominic Lovett right now, but Penn State's still pushing there, still trying to make an impact there. Um, the, the guys that you listed as uh, potential uh, possible targets, I think they're still in it with Yul Keith Brown. I think that they're going to be in it till the end because of Jaywan Sider, because of his relationship there. Still think it would take a visit to get him. And to be honest with you, you look at his list and it's a really, really good list. And you look at those schools and see which ones have re- oh, receiver commitments and things like that. So I'm just very curious when looking at his list with Alabama and LSU and all these schools, who would actually uh, take you Keith Brown. I think he's a good player. I think he's, uh, you know, there's questions about his size and questions about what, where he fits in. But, uh, you know, he's a good player. And I think Penn State's still in the mix. Deion Colsey, I don't see Penn State really doing anything there. A former Notre Dame commit. Georgia's in there. Notre Dame's still in there. A couple other schools, I, I don't see them being in there. But Jaden Alexis is really the, the interesting one to me. You know, if Penn State takes another receiver in this class, uh, and I think that's still a big if because you look at what's, you know, out there, 13 commitments right now. We've talked in that 19, maybe 20 range. You still have, you still want two offensive linemen. You still want two defensive linemen. You still want a running back, a tight end, a couple of defensive backs, Derek Davis and Dejon Warren, a couple of guys in there. So uh, there's still a bunch of spots that you would like like to fill up, but I don't know that that's going to be, you know, something that happens. So we will see which, what happens in terms of numbers because receiver like uh, running back, like tight end could conceivably still be left out. Now it's interesting because you've got Lonnie White who is having a terrific baseball offseason. You wonder about the draft. You wonder about how much potential he has as a professional baseball player, what that has. I and mean, we talked about that on our site at Lions 24-7 about what has been said and what could be said and all that kind of stuff. But you you have to take that into account if you're Penn State. So um, we'll see what happens. I, I, I'm not sold that they're going to take another one. Jaden Alexis is probably the guy that that they would want to fill that. But, you know, like I said, there's there's questions about all these guys that are on the board. Omari Hatcher in Virginia, uh, questions about his speed. Jaden Alexis, questions about his size. Dominic Lovett, even, who, who the question was asked about, questions about his size. So there's just a lot of guys that are unknown right now, and you'd like to see some sort of football uh, for some of these guys. And, and for some of these guys, it's not going to happen, but you'd like to see some sort of football for these guys this fall to maybe get a little bit more of your evaluation. Um, like I said, I think Alexis, you know, it seems like he's filled out a little bit. I think Alexis would probably be the preference right now. But at the same time, you know, it seems like you're chasing Texas on that one. There's a couple other schools in the mix. But uh, yeah, it's uh, there's there's no real blueprint for what they're going to do from here on out at wide receiver. Of course, we see Liam Clifford there. We see Lonnie White there uh, in the long term. But, uh, you know, you can you always look for athleticism. You always look for potential game breakers. And I think it's going to have to be a good one. But at the same time, I'm not sold that that you know, receiver is another spot that they need to go after right now. You mentioned Jaden Alexis, and he caught up with Steve Wiltfong with 24-7 Sports this week. Mentioned Penn State among schools standing out. Also pointed to Rutgers, Miami, Kentucky, and Texas, which is an interesting group. Um, but yeah, he mentioned something to, to, to Wiltfong, Sean, that I think is probably a legit selling point for Penn State in the 2021 cycle based on what we know. Uh, he says there the door seems to be open at Penn State for an immediate impact playmaker at wide receiver. Now, we weren't hearing that a couple of years ago because there were guys catching a bunch of balls and 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 moving on to the NFL and uh, lately, you know, some of the more highly acclaimed prospects uh, ha- have not lived up to the the expectations at Penn State have not produced and that, that I think you say there's a lot of questions about 
from Penn State's standpoint about some of these prospects, and I still maintain there's a lot of questions from the prospects about Penn State if you're a wide receiver. Uh, that continues for me. I think that remains the case. After spending that time in the 2022 class conversation talking about the, the nice work they've been doing with receivers, you can understand why the jury would be out for a receiver in the 2021 cycle with the transition to a new offensive coordinator. You love the numbers that were produced at Minnesota. You want to see them happen at Penn State as well and as, as the follow-up. And uh, there's a new wide receivers coach in town. You might like the resume and, and a lot about what what he has, uh, you know, what he's told you virtually, but you haven't met the guy yet in Taylor Stubblefield. Um, so unless he was recruiting you for, for Miami, so it's 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 been such a, a an interesting storyline, kind of a roller coaster following this 2021 wide receiver pursuit, and, and that, that includes the Maryland guys. And that's where I'll finish up really quick here. The longer you have no visits, no visits, no visits. Is there any chance? I'm asking you if you want to, if you feel like throwing a bone out to our listeners, any chance you see uh, a guy like Dante Thornton, former Penn State commit, circle back and, and, and take a longer look at the Nittany Lions because his his list seems very contingent on getting out to some schools. I know he's done some traveling, but his list is all over the country. Yeah, I was looking at his uh, at the receiver list right now, and. I- I, I maybe I mean logic would state that it would probably work out, but <laughs> right, given right. what we've seen during the cycle and and with Thornton, I mean I, I'm I'm still of the opinion that he's going to go to Oregon and that you know he's probably on board at Oregon already. So it's not really something that I've really spent too much time thinking about. The same with Jaleel Farouk. You hear the same thing about Oklahoma with Farouk. So I mean, you, and he cut his list to seven, and Penn State wasn't on it this week. So um, is it a surprise? Maybe a little bit of a surprise, but you weren't expecting him anyway. So uh, it's been it's been that kind of cycle. So I'm not sure that Thornton's there. It'd be interesting to see, you know, maybe if Penn State does, you know, just pops out and, and you know, these guys all of a sudden start producing and now it's a hot school for receivers. Do you circle back around? Maybe Caden Prather takes another look or, you know, guys that you've had relationships with or guys that Taylor Stubblefield has has relationships with, um, you know, it, it does, is Penn State suddenly a hot commodity for receivers? And and right now what we've seen in the 2021 class is it's not, um, but you, you can see that sort of blending in. And you can also take into account what's what's going on in 2022. You've got Caden Saunders there. If you get an Anthony Ivy or Mackay Flowers or somebody like that, all of a sudden, you know that can make you feel a lot better about not taking one in 2021. So you've got you certainly have options. And like I said, given what's still out there at, at other positions, a couple of offensive linemen, a couple of defensive linemen, running back, tight end, uh, defense. Those defensive backs are are huge targets right now in Davis and Warren. That I mean, you you don't have to strong arm. I mean, you don't have to take. A guy just to take a guy. Last year at this time, going into August, Penn State had five wide receivers on board with their 2021 recruiting class. They ended up signing all of them. A year before that, though, you had John Dunmore. Will he stick? Will he end up playing college football in the state of Florida? That that went all the way into December, kind of a drawn out discussion where you wondered how it would turn out. And you got TJ Jones on board in January. Totally different circumstance between those two cycles, and now we're seeing here. I, I think the one variable in play is that juggling act that you're maybe doing with Lonnie White and his baseball future. How does that factor in? Because I, I'm telling you, go watch that film from last year. Even if he's not doing it out of the wide receiver position on every rep, you can see how that can translate. I think he has got a, chi- a, a, a chance to be a really 
primetime receiver at the next level. Uh, if baseball takes him in a different direction, you're, I, I think Liam Clifford also a, a, a really good prospect. I don't think he, I don't see the ceiling that Lonnie White might possess, but I think beyond just Clifford, you're, you're going to need some solutions there. Uh, that's just that's an interesting thing, a dynamic to deal with if you're the Penn State staff is is kind of baseball being the the maybe the monster in the closet for you with that recruitment. It's a great thing for him. It could be tremendous for him individually and from a financial gain standpoint if he can play professional baseball going out of high school. But it will be a significant loss for Penn State at a position where they can't really afford significant losses right now. Um, the second question, Sean, we'll get we'll wrap it up on this one. If the season is delayed to spring 2021, do you think Micah Parsons and Pat Fryermuth would sit out in preparation for the 2021 NFL draft? And do you think any other Penn State players would do the same? Quick point here, Sean. Again, we're waiting for word from the Big Ten to follow suit with some of the other conferences, get a revised schedule out and that we can kind of have it in front of us and, and break down and review. And then that'll make me feel a little bit better maybe about football this fall. But right now, things in the balance. Spring football has been talked about as, as kind of a last resort. And this is the the storyline it leads right into. How does it impact the most high profile players in the country? And, and sort of goes without saying, a schedule release does not mean there's absolutely going to be football. It just means you're you're planning for it. Pat Forty tweeted out last night uh, that the, that the Big Ten has advised its members it still may not play, um, but uh, should have things in process or in the process in terms of scheduling, in terms of uh, testing protocols and things like that in the next five days. So we'll be keeping an eye out for that. Um, but back to the question, I mean, the elephant in the room here, and frankly, if if the, the if it's in the spring, no, I, I don't expect to see Micah Parsons out there. I think he's got a lot to, uh, a lot to train for. And this is, of course, it's a, it's a tough question because you talk about, uh, you know, his prospects as a top 10 pick, possibly a top five pick, a lot of money at stake there getting in shape for, will there be a combine next year? I don't know how that's going to play out. Will, will there be, you know, any sort of thing that can, can help them boost their draft status? So, you know, frankly, I, I would say no to Micah Parsons. I would say maybe to Pat Fryermuth. The thing about Pat Fryermuth is he's already had the opportunity to go. And obviously he's put up, uh, you know, the numbers that have, Put him in the mix for the being the first tight end off the board next uh, next year, regardless of when the draft happens or if they decide to push the draft back uh, into May or something like that. Um, but so I'm kind of on the fence with with Fryermuth. Um, the the ones that are interesting to me that you could maybe make an argument with the fifth year guys that would typically use that January to March window to get in shape for the combine to get in shape for pro day and things like that. Uh, you know, I think that might be a conversation worth having. But then again, it's hard to say. It's Especially for the fifth-year guys who have been on campus for a long, long time now, guys like Michael Mennett, Shaka Tony, uh, maybe maybe Will Fries, you can throw in there, uh, Shelton. I mean, those guys that have been on campus for a long, long time. That's a that's a long time to be a college student, and uh, that you know, I know one semester. Excuse me. One semester doesn't seem like a lot, but at the same time, that's uh, getting ready for your potential job interview. Uh, you, if you're a guy like Mennett, who's going to be going through the season, if they say they you know, theoretically they play in the spring, you know he's going to be beat up for a couple of months, and then he's got to turn around and get ready for the biggest uh, couple of weeks or whatever of training of his life. That's that's something to think about. So I would say uh, yes to Parsons in terms of sitting out, maybe to Firemuth, but I would say no because he's already passed up that opportunity. And then probably not for those fifth-year guys, but I think they would have something to think about. you got to start with this. Micah Parsons, Pat Firemuth, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, all, all you know, first-round projection talent. 
none of these guys anticipated they would ever, ever, ever walk away from their locker room with, you know, with, with games scheduled ahead of them to be able to play as a junior, as a third-year player. But look, it's a global pandemic. Uh, your perception evolves in a hurry, I think we've all found out. And you have to understand, this is not just about risking injury in the spring. For a lot of these guys, it's about how am I supposed to go out and play 12 games in the spring and then expect myself to be up to the task of playing 16 NFL games this fall and putting myself in a position where that all-important second contract is looking better for me after year one in the NFL than it's looking worse for me after year one in the NFL. Each year is going to add up to what you can accomplish in that second contract, and oftentimes that second contract is the last one a guy signs or the most lucrative a guy signs. So it's so important when you're in a profession where you are widely expected to be retired, essentially by the time you're 35, to make sure you get the decisions when you're 21 to 25 right. And this is a big one that could face all these guys. I think when you look at the Penn State roster, those two guys stand out. I think if Journey Brown had a full season maybe to point to and what he can do as a primary running back rather than just about a month and change, which is what he really did last year, the month of November, the Cotton Bowl, um, that's not a huge, huge sample size to point to for him. And Jason Away, to me, everything about him is based on him taking another a step in his on-field development this year and matching all those special combine results with, uh, with, with more of a, a well-rounded contributing role within this Penn State defense potentially as a starter in 2020 but I think Micah Parsons and and that's probably the kid you point to who you could never see walking away from the Penn State locker room and he has you know been on the record since he got to campus since he committed that he is talking about team-oriented goals uh, more than individual goals although those have piled up in a hurry but I think this is the kind of decision uh, you know Micah is a a young father as well I think you've got to factor that in Um, yeah I, I don't think there's any way to sugarcoat it and say that that guys are going to stick around because uh, they they, uh, they love the logo, they love the school. They can still love the logo, they can still love the school, they can still love their teammates, but they can still apply common sense and the understanding that this opportunity could come only once. And what are you putting at stake for the next 15 years of your life uh, to to go out and try to play 12 games uh, during a, a, a revised spring schedule? I mean, you put those two things on the scales, and to me, I, I think that the decision can be pretty obvious when we're talking about players and, and Parsons echelon. Yeah, I mean that that you're, you, when you're talking about a top ten pick, I mean you you take a look at Jalen Smith a couple of years ago, and I know the bowl game is a different scenario, but in terms of sitting out, opting out, playing through this, all that kind of stuff, you know, slipped into the second round with uh, with the knee injury. So, I mean, that risk is certainly there for those guys. Um, it's it's interesting when you look across, and by the way, Virginia Tech's Caleb. Kale- fairly uh, opted out this week he looks to be one of the top corners in the draft but also has a uh, history of in, you know ha- has had an injury in his past so uh, it, it's really interesting when you look at uh, how many guys this can affect and do you see some sort of waterfall do you see a couple of guys opting out you saw it in the NFL this week a couple of guys opting out and then all of a sudden it just starts growing and growing and growing and becomes more normal so uh, there, there's certainly questions abound there um, obviously nobody wants these guys to sit out and I'm sure these guys you know probably do want to play their their final year and and, and things like that but it, sometimes it's just not that simple and uh, you know have we seen the last of Micah Parsons I mean it's going to depend on the schedule it's going to depend on what's uh, what's out there but I hope not man I, I I sincerely hope not either. I mean, he's a tremendously entertaining player, and obviously he's got a lot to uh, to play for for accolades and awards and everything like that. But 
let's be honest, that's not what's important here. That is what's important is that contract, that uh, eventual payday that's that that sits ahead of him. And everybody knows what a talented player he is. But you know, you, you slip some draft spots, you slip ten spots in the draft. That's a that's a big deal. So. Um, certainly would not uh, hold it against him for doing so. Uh, it's an unfortunate circumstance with, that that a lot of schools are going to have to deal with, and um, it's just uh, kind of sucks, man. <laughs> I don't I think mean, there's what, other way to put it. When Micah Parsons sat down on the flight back from the Cotton Bowl from Dallas in in, in late December last year and pictured what his junior season would look like. It was probably picking off a Justin Fields pass and taking it to the end zone and jumping in the stands in front of 110,000 people in Beaver Stadium in October. You know, you take away so much of what you can actually accomplish because of the set of circumstances. And and you wonder, so far, you know, Penn State seems to be running a tight ship um, at the university level, at, at the program level. They got the testing. Eight positive tests, by the way, uh, the, the, the every other week report we get from the athletic department, eight positive tests for COVID-19 uh, coming this week. We do not know if, if any are involved on the football roster, something that was not specified. But I think if you're in a program and there's going to be plenty of them where positive tests are rolling in or you just you kind of have your confidence shaken on the validity of what the university and, and what college football is trying to accomplish and how you may be kind of view yourself as a pawn in the entire process if you're a guy who's saying uh, if i if i just step out now and concentrate on the nfl draft i'm gonna land that first round you may you may be inclined to say I'm going to pull the plug because this is starting to turn into a circus. Administrators don't seem to have an idea. My coach is scratching his head. I got to focus in on myself because a year from now I'm supposed to be getting ready to play NFL games. Uh, you know, it, it's unfortunate circumstances. I love my time on campus, but this has become a sideshow, and, and I got to re- remove myself from it. Get within an incubated environment and work my way to, to putting myself in front of NFL scouts in a positive light. And focus on myself. I do wonder if it gets to that point where you got where you see that big wave come. I hope it doesn't. I hope that we we have positive moves to make when we monitor what's going on in college football and and we our, our reinforced faith that games are going to be played and, and players are going to be out there and the best to, uh, to offer from all the country. But if we start seeing it slide the other way, I think that is going to be a part of that phase. Is is players looking around and seeing. Is this worth it? Is this make sense for me to put everything else on pause, my professional plans, uh, to try to salvage this last moment in the sun that I was hoping for from college football? And it will even be the moment I had hoped for. Is this worth sacrificing for? And that, and that's where I f- you know, feel bad for a guy like Journey Brown, who you know obviously has got some buzz behind him, but that buzz is based on what kind of tape he's going to be able to put out this fall, and you know what he's going to do. You take a look at the limited sample size last year, and, and it's fantastic at the end of the year. But you know those ratings, those uh, people putting him up near the top of the draft board at running back, are basing it on what they expect him to do. So um, those guys that need tape, uh, Brown, uh, you know Jason Oway, if he were to leave early, Rasheed Walker, if he were to leave early, they need that season and. You know, to, to potentially not have that is, is a big risk to take. And that's why I see those guys. And that's why I really didn't mention those guys in the first place, because, you know, you do need to prove a little bit more on tape before you get there. Um, you know, Pat and, and Micah have sort of earned the benefit of the doubt for that. Well, we began the show with a forward focus on the 2022 class, and we bring it back to the reality of 2020 with that conversation. And that's going to wrap up uh, this edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. As we said, Bo Prabula set to announce on Monday. That means that announcement will come before the next episode drops Tuesday. 
But when it does happen, go to lines247.com for reaction. Whether he's joining Penn State or heading elsewhere, there's going to be some reaction about what it means for the Nittany Lions. Uh, look for all of our content on lines247.com from a big week of 2022 commitments and developments. Been some interesting stuff going on in the VIP section of the site as well, which you can access right now for 30% off an annual subscription or one month for $1 to take a look and see what you think. Drop your five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts to throw in your five-star mailback question. We look forward to diving in for the next batch of those questions on the upcoming episode. For now, on behalf of Sean, I'm Tyler Donahue. You've been listening to the Lions 24-7 podcast. Have a great weekend. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.